Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years. Here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To five three three four two New York, call the twenty four seven Hope Line at one eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or twenty four seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to another episode of Growing Up the Same. I'm your host, Trevon Edwards, joined always by my co-host, Jason Madison. And we have a special guest today, DJ Khalil. What's going on? What up, man? Thanks for having me. Glad to be on the on the podcast. Crazy. Thanks for being on the show. Uh, DJ Khalil is a hip-hop music producer and DJ from Los Angeles, California, and the instrumental half of the duo Self-Scientific. He's also a part of the group, the New Royales. Khalil, this is the one of the two. You ready? All right. Yep. Let's do it. Reason or Ableton? Oh, man. I have to go with Reason because I think, like, my sound kind of came together using Reason for the most part. Like, Ableton is where I'm at now, but I go I go back and forth between the two. But I'm a hip-hop producer at heart, so Reason to me for hip-hop is the best, you know, in terms of, like, what I like. Like, my, my swing, everything about my drums – my sound really, really came together when I got when I got into Reason. Before that, I was on the ASR 10, but my drums were horrible. And then when I got on Reason, it was like, I don't know. I made the jump, and that kind of, like, changed everything. And then all my biggest records, I want to say, were, like, basically Reason, you know? So I got to go with Reason. NPC or ASR 10? Oh, ASR 10 all day. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, ASR. I mean, ASR is like you could it's the ultimate workstation. It was like, you know, like I, I saved up all my money, my DJ money when I was out, you know, and when I bought it, it changed my life. And then when I look at some of the people that have used it from Pharrell, Kanye, like Timberland, uh, Jake One, Knotts, you know, there's so many producers that that used it that are like my favorite. So uh, ASR 10 all day. Uh, guitar or piano? Hmm. I have to go with piano. Piano is just, you know, it's, I don't know. That's a tough one. Cause I used to really be in the guitar. I, I love guitar records. Like I used to buy a lot of guitar records. You know what? I'm going to say guitar. I'm going to go with guitar. All right. All right. Yeah. yeah. Indoor hoop or outdoor hoop? Indoor. Come on, man. You can't play out. You no real hoopers, respectable hoopers, like hoop outdoors, like nobody, yeah. like indoor all day. Love and basketball or he got game? He got game. Planet sure. Asia or Raskas? Ooh. Mm-mm-mm. Damn, you put me on the spot. I'm going to go with Asia. I love Raz. Raz, I love you, but I'm going Asia. I'm going Planet Asia. DJ Muggs or DJ Premier? Damn. Oh, man. DJ Premier. I love you, Muggs, but DJ Premier. <laughs> Alchemist or Hit Boy? I got to go out, man. I got to go out. I love Hit Boy. Hit Boy is incredible, but Al is like legendary status. Some of my favorite beats ever. You know what I mean? Like, literally, yeah. I still go back to him. You know, keep it thorough. Come on, man. man come on. <laughs> Al, so I got to go uh, out. Al, man. Uh, Jim Jones or Lloyd Banks? Hmm, Lloyd Banks. Tribe Called Quest or The Clips? Tribe. Black on Both Sides or The Documentary? Black on Both Sides or The Documentary? I'm going Documentary. ASAP Mob or D12? ASAP Mob. Slim Shady LP or The Marshall Mathers LP? Mmm. Some shady. I'm going some shady LP. Nice. The home <laughs> studio. I, see, that's a tough one, though. <laughs> yeah, it is tough. That's real tough. I had to really think about it. Like, I'll probably change my mind later on, but I'm going to go with some shady right now. A home studio or a studio studio? Home studio all day. Yeah. And stand big studios, man. <laughs> Jay Z or Nas? That's tough. Uh, I got to say Jay-Z. The Chronic or 2001? 2001 for me. Sway or Funk Flex? Sway. Rick Rubin or Jimmy Iovine? Damn. I got to go to Rick Rubin. Yep. Kobe or Magic? Kobe, all day. Yeah. Sean Kemp? <laughs> Or Dominique Wilkins? Dominique. Jokic or David Robinson? Jokic or David Robinson? People forget how crazy David Robinson was, man. Yeah. I got to go with David Robinson. He definitely – he put up 70 in the game one time. Yeah, Jokic hasn't quite – you know, he hasn't quite proven himself yet. Like, David Robinson is proven. 
Yeah. Jordan or LeBron? Mm, I'm going Jordan. As an announcer, Reggie Miller or Chris Webber? Chris Webber. Reggie Miller. Oh, can't stand Chris Webber. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as an announcer. As an announcer. Other than that, he's cool. <laughs> But he's horrible to listen to. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, a high-rise condo in Midtown Manhattan or a two-bedroom house in Hancock Park? Oh, Hancock Park. Two-bedroom two in Hancock Park all day. A placement on the number one album or a full album with an unknown artist? A full album with an unknown artist? Yeah. That's tough. That's a tough one. I may go with the number one album and see the other, the second option depends. It just depends the context. You know what I mean? Right. But I'd, I'd say the number one album having to place my number one album. Uh, a movie placement or a TV jingle? TV jingle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, above the rim soundtrack or dead president soundtrack? Above the rim. What? Best, great song. Ridiculous. <laughs> Hayden Full or Juice? Juice. Boys in the Hood or Men's Society? I'm going with Menace on that one. Paper Soldiers or the Players Club? Players Club. Pork or Turkey Bacon? Turkey Bacon. Oh, it's pork? No yeah. way. Get that out of here. Red velvet, red velvet cake or sweet potato pie? Neither. I don't like either one of those, but I'll probably go with sweet potato pie. An oven or a microwave? Oven. French fries or a salad? French fries. <laughs> South by Southwest or Art Basel? I've never been to Art Basel. Uh... But I hated South by Southwest. I'm gonna say our Basel. Because <laughs> South by Southwest was the worst. Yeah. <laughs> uh what year did you go? I think I went the year. I just remember being out there with, with Chase. Me and Chase out were out there. He was there with, with ASAP Rocky and everybody. Yeah. And I forgot that may have been like after his first album dropped. It's funny. I think Rocky was dating uh what's her name from Australia. Uh that's all I remember. Hey. Hey. Yeah, he was that's what he was with her. So I don't remember what year that was, but yeah. it was like right when it started getting real corporate. Like it was right, you know right. what I mean? Probably like 2012, 2013, something. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. It was like around then. But I, I was not feeling it. I thought it was like whatever. Yeah. Uh Christmas or Halloween. Christmas, Christmas for sure. I mean, I'm I, I'm I'm Muslim, but I, yeah. I'm I I have kids, and my wife is she's not. You know what I mean? So, Christmas is new to me, but it's, it's pretty it's pretty dope. I like like Christmas. Um, would you rather be rich with a short career or be all right with a long career? Rich with a short career. <laughs> um, be all right with a long career. That's tough. Um, be all right, meaning what? Like, I don't, I'm, I'm, like, I'm don't comfortable. You have a meal, you got a house, you, you, you know what I'm saying? You got food, you cool, 
but you got like you know what I'm saying less than a mil if you if you and yeah, you but you still but you still you everybody knows you you still on but or you could have you know what I'm saying have let's say fifty mil and your career is three years but then after that three to five years like nobody really wanted it. you know what I'm saying that's I, uh I could go either or honestly. Uh, the short career. I mean, the thing is, like, <laughs> the short career. I can still make music and not have to do anything. I can literally just make music all day. You know right. what I mean? So I don't really have to stop making music. It's just like I'll take the short career and be rich. I'm good with that. Okay. I wouldn't stop making music. Right, right. You make it for yourself. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Yeah, that's the one of the two, man. Small circle, it's a chosen few. I wrote it down and I followed through. I bought a pound and we rode the few. I talk shit, but she know it's true. Ocean views, small circle, it's a <laughs> All right, we're going to take a blast from the past and go back and holler at young Khalil. Uh, <laughs> tell me about Khalil's connection to playing AAU basketball. Okay, yeah, so... Um, my dad played in the NBA. I come from a basketball family. Um, you know, he, uh, and then he coached at UCLA. He coached like Reggie Miller and Pooh Richardson, all those guys from like 85 to 89. So, you know, I grew up playing like, by the time I was in sixth grade, I played with B the B&B Spurs, which was like right over here at Queen Anne Park, like mid city. Um, in the middle of a gangbang neighborhood, all that stuff. But, you know, we had some of the best players out of out of L.A. played on the squad. We used to go to Vegas every year. We played invitational tournaments all the time. So that's really, like, how I, I you know, I really cut my teeth in terms of, like, learning the game. My coach was super tough. We had – we had, our conditioning was crazy. Um, but, like, Chris Mills, Doug Meekins, a lot of Dave Fisdale – um like my, my older brother Jalal he played there my younger brother played there so I played there for years and then Izzy Washington rest in peace I played her slam and jam slam and jam mm -hmm. yeah and you know I played slam and jam and he and my dad were really tight so you know we had like our own squad me my cousins you know just friends of the family whatever so we we had our squad out there so I played there and then we played ARC Rich Goldberg and Rich, you know, and everybody came from that. Like everybody played in, in uh, ARC. My brother, his team was like an all-star. He had like Sean Kemp. Um, oh my God, why, why am I forgetting? Uh, homeboy played UCLA. Um, Don McClain. Um, I mean, he had. I mean, it was like an all-star. James Moses. It was like an all-star team. They had like they probably had the best traveling team in the country. You know what I mean? Uh, I played for the Orange County Express. We were like the number one team in California when I was in like the eighth grade. And I had uh, 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 Charles O'Bannon was on my team, Tariq Turner. Um, you know, we were we were number one in California. We went to the Nationals. We, we ended up finishing like 17th in the nation. But like, I, you know, and then me and Chase, I met Chase at Superstars Camp. Uh, in Santa Barbara, you know, it's an invitational camp. So we were like the two top point guards in our age group. And that, this was like probably like eighth, ninth grade or something like that. And Chase, Chase was, uh, he was a nightmare. <laughs> he, he was really like a nightmare. So that's, that was like, 
you know, my upbringing was mainly basketball. I wasn't even into music. You know, I got into music through DJing. And really, my dad used to throw parties with like Magic and um, DJ Reg used to, used to DJ all the parties and he would let me get on. That's really how I got introduced to DJing. So it was like basketball and music kind of were like hand in hand for me. But AAU was like literally my my childhood, literally. that That's like all my friends that I'm still friends with to this day. We all play AAU basketball. So we're going to get we're going to get into the, the transition into music. But um, yeah. as a former basketball player myself, what was the difference between playing at North Hollywood and then playing for your AAU team? Because I know oh. when I personally played um, for my different AAU squads, I had more freedom than when I played for my high school coach. And my high school yeah. coach would be more strict and kind of put the shackles on you where you didn't really get a chance to display your game. Because when you play AAU, you got all the homies you playing. You know, the game is just even more easier. It's yeah. fun. Y'all kicking team, y'all kicking teams ass. Like it's a lot of shit going on. So what was the difference between playing AAU and then playing for your high school? Or was your high school playing playing for North Hollywood better than AAU? I mean, I'll say like my high school, my high school experience, I had a great coach, Coach Steve Miller. Like when I was in 10th grade, we won city, we won 3A. You know what I mean? So it was way more structured. Like, I feel like when you play, I mean, B&B Spurs, though, taught me discipline. Like, you know, you you could not mess around with Coach Mike. And Coach Mike, like, if you 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 had to, if you didn't pay attention, like, if he was talking and you weren't paying attention, he'd throw the ball at your head, like, literally. Like, and try to connect, literally. So it was, I you know, that it was like boot camp. So by the time I got to high school, when I got to North Hollywood, you know, I already had that discipline. It, was, it wasn't that much of a transition, but – it was really more like running plays and really having more of a strategic outlook on the game. That's really like what I learned in high school was like the X's and O's of basketball and, and, you know, learning how to think the game more. Um, Cause you know, we, I mean, both my 10th grade and 11th grade year, we, we, uh, we went to the city finals, you know what I mean? We got killed uh, in, when I was in 11th grade. We got and in 12th grade, we had a great team, but we just we got upset like probably in the semifinals, like right before we were gonna go to the championship. So um, but you know, the transition, I mean, it was just more structured. I feel like it was more structured. And I feel like my coach, I, I had a role, you know what I mean? A specific role. When you're playing like AAU, you can like, like you say, you have more freedom. If you if you can score, your coach gonna let you go. But like in in our system, we had a system, it was like, you know. My coach loved Mike Krzyzewski, so he was like, everything was like Duke. You had to play your role, you know, you had to understand the game and and, and play within your system. So it, that was the difference, really, is just having a system more so. Yeah, see, I'm a CIF guy versus the city, so, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm far east side. I went to Dominguez, and I went to Compton. Okay, yeah. At Compton, so, yeah, yeah, over there. So I see you went to Morehouse. What made you make that decision to go play there? out of all the schools that you possibly were recruited from? Well, I didn't, you know, I didn't get recruited a lot. I got recruited by like BYU and like maybe like one other school. Um, I just really didn't get, it, it's weird. Cause I really didn't get any recruit. Even Morehouse didn't recruit me. I mm. walked on. So you walked um, on at Morehouse. Okay. Yeah. I walked on my brother played and they won, they won the um, division two championship. I forgot which year it was, or they made the final four or whatever. And he played for the coach. So when I got there, they knew who I was because of my brother. Um, but I was like, I'm just going to try out. 
And I ended up starting, you know, because the, the point guard was ineligible. He couldn't even, he had bad grades or whatever. So I ended up getting thrown into the starting lineup. And the first half of the season, I was killing it. We, we were like, our record was incredible. We may have lost like two games. And then I hit that wall. I hit that freshman wall. It was a wrap. And, and it's a real thing. It's a it's real, a real thing. thing. It's a real thing. My coach, my coach was calling me Apple turnover. It got to a point. <laughs> yes. You know, you playing point guard, your assisted turnover ratio is it, it could either it just depends where you at too. I yeah. played in Midwest in, in college yeah. and I had yeah. a co- a coach that really loved his offense and yeah. wanted six passes and screenaways and all that. And we our final scores were like. 60 points like you know what i mean like very grit and grind basketball but you know it was to a point freshman sophomore year i'm getting ripped my assist my my turnovers are up like high three to four turnovers he's like yo apple turnover you're not playing you know what i mean like we're gonna put a better guy so it it really put you know some responsibility on me to like kind of dumb my game down so like i always get teased like oh you play like you know yogi andre miller Cause I used to be having a basic game at first. I used to try to cross over like Iverson and, and do, you know, right. do all that other stuff. But it got to a point I was showing it so much that guys with longer arms was picking me like at half right. court. Right. And I'm, you know, I ain't got the LeBron chase down block. It was a lay, <laughs> um, right. you know, I definitely can relate to the, uh, to the freshman yeah. wall. So did you end up finishing up four years or did you transition into music after? No, nah, what, what happened was my freshman year I played, I finished out that year. I got a, I had a partial scholarship. They ended up giving me a partial scholarship. My second year, I, cause I, I came back, I played in like, you know, the tournament at um, Cal State LA and like, you know, playing against like Burt Harris and all these other, you know, all these other top guards that were going to like USC and whatever. I played well, uh, I worked out. And then I went back and then they, they had another guard that they wanted, even when I was a freshman, they ended up losing to like Virginia State or something. I don't know some some school in Virginia. And he I guess he got now he didn't get cut, but he decided to come back to Morehouse. So then they you know, they put him in the starting lineup and they basically cut me. So I got cut. I was devastated. I cried for three weeks like I literally but I kept you know, I kept training like I was really. I was in shape. I lifted weights. I was I was ready to go. So what happened was like I started playing like intramurals and like just playing pickup after they would practice. So I was killing everybody because I was just in shape. You know what I mean? My jumper was ridiculous. And um, they asked me to come back like midseason, like by by the time, uh, you know, it was like the hot, you know, Christmas or whatever. They're like it wasn't working out with the point guard that they had. And they were asking me, you know, to come back. And I was like, I'm good. I'm straight. I was having too much fun at that point. I was like, I'm straight for, you know, and I, I didn't like my teammates. I didn't like my coach. You know, I just didn't think he really knew what he was doing. You know what I mean? And like, So even having a D1 kickback, that stuff is real. If you have a higher level player that falls upon the campus, they yeah. normally get priority. Yeah. It always works out that way because I ended up coming. I came back to uh, a California JUCO from Texas Southern. Oh, wow. And the one, I mean, this dude was working out extremely hard all summer. It was his spot. And they're like, yo, we got this D1 kickback. His name's Trey Edwards. And the dude was just like, yo. But we ended up becoming really cool. But I felt bad because, you know, I just knew how it was. So I can I can totally understand. But to relate to the whole, I didn't I didn't necessarily cry. But I watched the politics of my career end in the D-League. 
um, Antoine Walker Crazy. was brought in and I was waived in training. Camp. And he was just more of, he was more so a cash cow in this situation. Cause it's, his career was done as far as professionally where he had won a right. ring with the heat. He had some um, slumlord stuff going on with Chicago. Cause he had bought all these, these tall buildings and he was managing them, but he was halfway doing it. He thought he's a business major. I'm going to invest in this building <laughs> and I don't have to mess with it. Well, pipes was busting and mm, he wasn't like doing, doing right. the business side of it. You know what I mean? He, and he was hiring the homies that was doing right. halfway jobs. So he had to file for, um, not bankrupt, but he had got yeah. some money issues. So on the circuit side, he had to go to the D league and it was crazy because I'm like, yo, I'm hyped. Cause I'm thinking I'm about to play with this dude and I'm the guy that gets called in and gets waved. So I'm sick to my stomach. Like, <laughs> and I never, and I, and I never picked up a ball again and I went to become a teacher, wow. but like, that was the end of my career because you know, it was, it let me know what the business yeah, was about. The politics. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause I'm thinking like, like right before Sundiana Gaines was like one of the first feel good stories of the right. G League. He got called up by the right, Jazz, right. hit a game winner. I'm like, hey, I can, do it. I can either get picked up by Portland, the Nuggets, or the Jazz, and I'm up next. Right. Like this is it. That's crazy. This is my closest chance to make it to the NBA, and it ended right there. And I had, you know, I had a couple offers to go play like B level, you know, uh, overseas, but like. How much did I love it after that? I didn't love it anymore. Yeah, right, like being right. away from family and friends and stuff like that, I was just I was tapped out. So now, yeah. even if I, I mean, I'm, I'm older now, so I don't even try to play it at all. I still could play. I probably would be better than most of the average dudes, but like playing against a guy, like I remember that the hacks on Crenshaw, and during the lockout season, we're playing as KD, Rush, JD, you know, James and stuff. And I'm just like, yo, I'm not on these dudes' level at all. <laughs> like, it is like, it's not yeah. even close. So, like, yeah. why I'm even playing myself? So, I got out of that. Yeah. Um, but I know you mentioned about your transition into, you know, music. Yeah. Tell us about uh, the party your parents threw where you met Dr. Dre. Oh, yeah. So, um so he and my sister were really good friends. So uh, we threw her a party, you know, here, because uh, I'm, I'm at, it's funny because I'm at my mom's house right now, but we we literally threw a party uh, here for her and she invited all her friends, like, because I met Sir Jinx through her, I met Dr. Dre, you know what I mean? Like Sir Jinx was the first person I ever met, like a big producer that I ever met in hip hop, literally. And this was on the heels of like, all the Ice Cube albums that he had done. You know what I mean? He was working on Coogee Rap actually when I met him. And so, you know, we, you know, we threw this party here for her. And then he showed up, Crystal Glove, all my heroes literally showed up and they're hanging out. They're playing dominoes, doing whatever. Uh, me and my brother were huge Dr. Dre fans. Like I, I had his mixtapes. I had every, everything he put out on vinyl. I had it. I was DJing at the time. And I just remember like, you know, he talked to us for like 45 minutes, just telling us like how he got started. And, you know, I was, I was just telling him like, I'm a DJ. I want to be a producer just like you. And, 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 and he was just telling me, you know, like how his mom wasn't really like down with, you know, him producing. She didn't get it. She didn't understand what hip hop was. She didn't know how big it could be. So, and he had NWA. I mean, he was like pretty successful at that point. You know what I mean? He already had like Boys in the Hood. All that stuff was already out NWA. So and, you know, and there's stuff that Dre produced that people don't even know that's just like local just to just to L.A. You know what I mean? Like even the CIA stuff before N.W.A., like well, Ice Cube and Sir Jinx and, 
you know, JJ Fad and, you know, uh, even Bobby Jimmy, you know, he produced records for Bobby Jimmy. So just growing up on K-Day and all that, you know, he was a local hero. Like he was already like my favorite producer at that point. So he was just cool, man. He sat, you know, he talked to us and it's just funny that I ended up reconnected with him years later, you know, and he remembered because just because of my sister, we, you know, he just remembered me as soon as I saw him and he told everybody the story of how I taught, you know, we talked to him and how I told him I was going to be a producer and like to be in a room with him at that point, that was just like, I don't even know, like that's just destiny or whatever. You know what I mean? I, I worked my butt off to get there, but he was, he's literally like still to this day, like my hero, my big brother, my, my mentor, you know? Yeah, out of all of the people that I've ever met, like celebrities or anything like that, he's been the most down to earth person. Like, it's, it's such a surprise. So I, I met him a couple of times and he had the same energy. Like, he'll just sit there and talk to you for like an hour. And it's not, yeah. like, you know what I'm saying? It's not like he's in a rush to try to go somewhere else. He's no. just like, <laughs> like, what's up? Like, you know, and he's really just cool as hell. And I'm like, man, this is really like dope. This is how I would want to be if I, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Dude, I mean, he doesn't even have to do all that. It's like, you know, and to, to the accomplishments just, you know, but the yeah. thing is like the thing about him that I've learned is just like, you know, he's the nicest, most humble, humble guy, whatever. But it's like, man, he's no joke in that studio, man. Like, and that's where I've really learned, but he has no ego. And that's the thing right. is like, I can't have an ego. If I go into a session, I'm not coming in with an ego. If he's not doing it, I'm definitely not doing it. I think yeah. he sets the standard. He sets the bar. And that's and and that's what I love about Dre, man. He's just he's always learning. He's still outworking everybody. He's still outworking all the young producers and the people that are coming up behind him, which is incredible. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. So so how did um how did you and Chase start self scientific? Well, um, Chase went to Canoga Park. Well, we met in Superstars Camp, and Chase went to Canoga Park. He was you know so he was living in the Valley. I was going to school in the Valley, but I lived in Mid City, LA. So I was getting bust out there. And because we, we, we knew each other from, from, uh, from basketball camp, um, we just, before games, like I had started making beats. I had met a, I met a friend who had a studio and I had started making beats. So I, you know, I'm listening to my beats before the games or whatever. So before we started playing, you know, against each other, we're in the same league. We were literally, he just started rapping. Chase was dancing at the time. Like, you know, we're on some B-boy shit. So he, uh, you know, I'm playing the beats before the game. He's kicking raps, whatever. So I invite him to the studio. I had already had a group called Soul Survivors and my, me and my best friend, Rossodon, we had already cut a demo. And, you know, we were trying to be like the next gang, P-Rock, C.O. Smooth or Gangstar. Yeah. But it was like, raw, you know, Rossodon kind of like took a break from that, you know, because he had other, other things going on. So me and Chase just kind of, we just really gelled and, we, we started a group called the Numbskulls. We were called the Numbskulls before because, we you know, that was like you had Rumble Tillskins, you had, you know what I mean? All these different groups that had that kind of moniker. So we were, we were on that. Yeah, like Far Side, you know, Chase had the Far Side, like high-pitched voice, like, yeah. you know, so we were making songs like that. And then we kind of like settled into, when, when Chase ended up going to Morris Brown. So when I went to Morehouse, he went to Morris Brown. He lived with me for like, I want to say like three months, you know, he lived with me. So we, uh, we formed self-scientific during that time. And, and, and we started, I was making beats every day in my, in my apartment and we became, you know, we just, we just, it just came together. And then we ended up getting a demo deal with loud and 
Nefertiti was was uh, was our manager, and uh, we worked with Diamond D. We recorded our demo at Ice T's house, and yeah, it was crazy, man. It was, it, it was crazy, but that you know that launched my career literally. You so know? Steve Steve Ripken signed you guys. Yeah, he signed us to a demo deal. Yeah, and, and it was through Big B. You know, it was through Chase's cousin Big B. He was doing Unity. You know, he was bringing like Jay Z and out here to do shows and all kind of stuff. And he he was really responsible for a lot of groups like Mob Deep and Wu Tang Clan. Like in terms of them breaking on the West Coast, he was the guy responsible for that. So yeah. Bigger launched our careers as well. You know what I mean? Um, he believed in us, so he took us to Steve Rifkin. He was like, "Let's give him a demo deal." Right. We ended up not getting signed obviously but you know it was like that that kind of like made us kind of believe in ourselves a little bit more to where we're like fuck we're just gonna you know we're gonna do it independently you know so we started making our own cassettes and then we eventually moved to vinyl so uh, well with the uh with the lakers winning the title this year i wanted to ask you what was it like growing up with your pops playing for the lakers and then the nba and just how that whole experience was as a kid like growing up incredible man like you know I, I i always tell this to everybody like going to the forum with my dad like my dad literally because he was working with jerry west and when Dell harris got the job with the lakers you know he brought my dad along with him you know even though we're already living in la when he was working at milwaukee he was scouting for Dell harris so when Dell got the job with the lakers you know they brought my dad back in and he and you know jerry west were, were super tight so I would go to the forum with my dad. We sit down and have dinner with Jerry Buss, Magic, you know, all his guests. Like, so it'd be like Jack Nicholson or whoever it was that night. Yeah. And then we go see Chick Hearn and we go hang with Chick Hearn and say, what's up? This is all before the game even start, is even starting. This is not even, you know. Yeah. Um, and then we would and then we would go uh, watch the game. You know, we watch the game, hang out. Then we go in the locker room. So, you know. You're hanging out in the locker room with, you know what I'm saying? Like Shaq and Kobe and, you know what I mean? So it's it's like, it's just surreal. It's it's surreal to be around. And they were young then. Like, you know, Kobe was young. He wasn't even Kobe Bryant yet, you know? Um, and we just, and, and being around, I mean, I was around Reggie Miller. I mean, Reggie Miller was at UCLA and Reggie Miller became a legend. You know what I mean? The NBA, so. Yeah. I mean, and Magic, obviously, Magic used to come to our house and hang out. So it's like, it's just surreal. I mean, you know, you're that's basketball royalty, literally. And my dad, they love my dad. That's the thing. It's like, if we see Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan loved my dad. You know what I mean? It was just giving giving them props. So it's 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 incredible. It's incredible to be the son of a person who's like a legend, and you don't really understand how much of a legend they are. You know what I mean? But my dad, my dad was, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, you know, college player of the year. Like, yeah. you know, one of the, uh, the only teams to go 30 and 0 in a college basketball season, you know what I mean? So, right. you know, he won a gold medal, like all that kind of stuff. So it's like, I've been around that my whole life, yeah. you know, just, just being around these legends and, and the Lakers, that's family, you know? No, it's very, you got a very LA story, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like growing up in LA, man, it's, you either are probably connected to somebody who's famous or, you know what I'm saying, in a family like that. Yeah. Or, you know, if you eventually come here, you do something to where you're going to meet all these people. And, you know, you eventually not get numb to it, but it just becomes a part of your life. And it's so funny that 
you know, we tell a lot of these stories and to some people who aren't from here, they think it's name dropping or they think it's this, they think it's that, but it's like, well, if my dad is this person, my cousin is this person, my brother is this person, yeah. this is just who my people are, you know? Yeah, yeah, you just kind of, it's just part of your life, yeah. literally, you know, it, it, you get it, you get like numb to it after a while, but when you look, when I look back, it's like pretty incredible, like how, how many people can say that, you know what I mean, that he'd been around that, you know? Uh, I, you know, I went to the, you know, all-star game in Philly with my, when my dad, when Kobe won MVP that year, you know what I mean? Oh, wow. I was in the crowd when they were booing him. They were booing, you know what I mean? I was hot. I was pissed off. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, so I was just rooting for Kobe. I'm just a Kobe guy. Like, I, you know, cause we saw him from like, from a kid, from a kid becoming like a, a an icon, literally, you know? So when he passed, it's like, that was like, that piece of me is gone, like literally, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's crazy. And it was like one of those things where you don't really realize how connected you are to somebody that you don't yeah. know until right. that happens. Because then I started going back. I'm looking at my uh, middle school pictures where I had the, you know what I'm saying, the, the crazy eights on. You know what I'm saying? Right. My, right. I'm like, all the way back then to, you know, just like remembering all the arguments with my dad about Kobe, and, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Us watching yep. the games, like all of that, you know, like all of the memories that you have with this person who's not even your friend, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, he's that, not. It's, that, it's, it's crazy, man. I mean, I met him once. My brother was working for the Lakers. He was working for Phil Jackson and he, and they went to Barcelona and to London for preseason so I met him at the airport before, you know, because my brother took me and I just, I, I was so nervous, dude. I didn't even get a picture with him. I was so nervous. I didn't even think to take a picture with him. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I talked to him and he knew my music. He was like, yo, man, he's naming stuff. Like, dude, you're so talented. I'm like, Kobe Bryant's telling me this. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I'm tripping. Like, yeah. that's when they had POW and all yeah. that. It was, you know, they were, they were already champions again, you know? So they were at, and uh, it's just, you know, he's just a part of, being a person from LA, literally, you know what I mean? That's just, that's a part of who we are at this point. Definitely. So for you, uh, musically, you know, you went from being a DJ to a producer. I also did, I didn't have the same success that you have, but how do you, how did you make that transition? How do you feel about how production and hip hop production has evolved for you since you've been a producer? I mean, it's, it's, uh, for me, I, I mean, it's just work, man. I work really hard. You know, some people are, you know, they're, they're gifted. They have a God-given ability. Some people are raised in the church and they have that kind of, you know, like I literally learned from DJ. I had to figure it out on my own. When I got my ASR 10, I figured that out on my own. I didn't read the manual, none of that. You know, we didn't have YouTube. It was like literally everything I did, I earned. You know what I'm saying? Um and even like producing self scientific first album, like I, you know, I did the whole thing. And if I didn't do that, I wouldn't be a producer. I wouldn't be where I am today. So having that experience, like, you know, really helped me in terms of like how I produce records now, you know, how I look at music, but it's just, it's just the love, man. It's just the love. I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm always learning. Like, you know, I think that's the, that's the main thing. It's just like, it's just like, I'm constantly learning. I'm trying to, trying to figure like, out what what kids are doing now you know what i'm saying so i hang around a lot of young producers yeah. you know and, and and you know even even guys that i've mentored personally you know they're teaching me more than i'm teaching them at this point 
Right. So they're, you know, they're showing me like, nah, you don't use that 808, use this 808. Right, right. This okay, is yeah. Time. Yeah, you got to get get with this kit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to send you, the, I'm going to send you the drum kit all, every, that everybody's using right now. So I'm hanging out with, you know, Mike and Keys and Dahi and uh, uh, Cardiac and, you know what I'm saying? Kenny Beats, like right. all these dudes are like, they're schooling me and and I love it. I love it, man. It's really, that's the key of like, of longevity, I think is just like to continue yeah. to learn, you know, and I'm, I'm constantly studying. It's like, it doesn't end. It doesn't yeah. end literally, you know, and now it's like everybody, I was making my own samples back in, you know, I stopped sampling in like 2006. So I hadn't sampled a record since then. I made my own samples and now everybody's making samples, right? You know what I mean? Everybody's making sample packs. You know what I mean? Like I, I was doing it because I was like, I'm tired of getting killed on the publishing. Like, you know, all these publishers were killing me. I'm getting nothing in return. You know what I'm saying? So I can't live off that, you know? Right. So thank God I made that transition, but thank you know God. that, yeah. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, that that's the thing. It's like technology, man. Technology made it all possible. For, for, you know, I, for I, I think I read or I heard a quote recently that it said like, at, at some point in every man's life, he should be both a mentor and a protege. Mm -hmm. It's and, true, man. It's true. It's like you got. I mean, that's what we took. Go back to Doctor Dre. He's still learning, yep. and he doesn't have to do that. Like he can literally chill, not do anything, and be like, "Nah, I'm, I did it already." But right. he's still he's still trying to figure it out. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> it it doesn't stop, man. Yeah. You know? How does it feel to have a song blow up on the level of the man, the Aloe Black song? And was it something that you you felt in the studio, or did it like how did it? How did that feeling come about to you? Was it when the when the spin started going crazy? Well, you can tell everybody. Yeah, you can tell everybody. Go ahead and tell everybody. I'm the man, I'm the man. I mean, it's, it's just proof that like you have no idea when you're making something when you're making stuff like where a song's going i had no idea yeah. my manager had a feeling he was like yo that's the song that's the song i'm like what are you talking about like i didn't get it i was like i don't get it i'm you know what i'm saying but my manager is like dude i'm telling you that's the one so you know that's when the beats by dre campaign happened with colin kaepernick and kevin garnett they used the song in that and that blew the song up like if that didn't happen I wouldn't have had a hit literally, you know what I mean? So like Larry Jackson made that play happen uh, at, you know, at Interscope and, and Jimmy Iovine and, you know, Beats was just obviously like the, one of the biggest brands. It was like just as big as Apple at that point. Right. So it was like to see that. And then, you know, obviously the Super Bowl and you had Richard Sherman, you had Colin, that was like, it was such a crazy story yeah. that like that propelled the song to like a whole new level. So what's you the story? Know, Tell us the story so the audience can hear it. Yeah, I mean, so we we did the song, and like I said, like you know, Larry Jackson, who was ARing and and John Amon, they they pitched the song for for the commercial for the campaign um, for Colin Kaepernick, and Colin Kaepernick had one commercial. Kevin Garnett had his own commercial, and then I guess Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman came like after that. Mm -hmm. But then, like the I guess the 49ers and the Seahawks actually met in the and it's not the play. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, exactly. So that became like the story behind, you know, that became like the biggest story in sports. And then you had this commercial. So they're running that commercial like 
24/7. Like you can't escape the, you can't escape the song. Yeah. And that was the first that that just showed me like at that point like I didn't realize that you could a record could blow up and become a hit through yeah. a commercial like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that was like that really showed me that there's no one path to a hit record. I mean, now you have TikTok. TikTok is blowing records up like blowing, you know what I'm saying so it's like you know there there it's like now it's it's unconventional before you had to pay a radio person and yep. you had to have these campaigns these national campaigns to to make a hit but but now, now it's now it's coming in such a random viral you know and, and it's crazy people use the word viral so much but it's like it's viral a lot of times is more authentic than yeah the other means of which people used to blow up records like like you saying paying radio guys or getting you know what i'm saying yeah put your shit out when it's like when somebody just puts it in the background of a video that they you know what i'm saying doing a dance yeah. to doing some little funny thing to and then it just now people hear your song you know? yeah exactly and, and it's like that you know and it's like you know you had music videos for that music videos would blow a song up you had right. a dope video right. now it's like people are making their own music videos for it you yeah. know what i'm saying like Creating yeah. their own moments, you know. So it's like, yeah, it, it, it just proved to me that there's no one way to like have a hit now. Like yeah. that's why anything can become a hit at this point. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So it's it really just it it proves that like all you have to do is just create the music. Like if the music is a moment, if it has, if it's a great moment, it's gonna yeah. work. It's gonna work on on some level. You know what I mean? Whether it comes from a commercial or a t- or a movie or whatever. I mean, even like. Uh, uh, the Charles Gambino song, uh, Redbone. That's another one. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, on Get Out. That. Yeah, that was a moment. That was like a huge thing. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, that just proves that there's no one way. That old, that old way of of making hit records. That's kind of like whatever. Yeah, it's done. It's dead. Yeah. yeah. Um, let me ask you too. What? Who is your favorite producer or artist to work with? I guess you can give me one of each. Because I know you collaborate with a lot of producers and making beats and stuff, but yeah. obviously you work with a lot of artists. You do a lot of, you know what I'm saying, albums and things like that. Who's your your favorites? Yeah, um, well, I mean, man, just off top. I mean, I, I have so many favorite producers that I love collaborating with. But Dahi's definitely one of them. DJ Dahi, Mike and Keys, um, Tariq Beats, um, Cardiac. Uh, Jake one, obviously that's 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 like my, my brother right there. Made, yeah, he, he appeared on our show and he also produced the the intro and outro music for our show. Oh, that's crazy! Yeah, that's yeah. So Jake, that's like my boy. I talk to Jake like almost every day at this point. You know what I mean? Um, but you know we've collabed on 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 a you know the Wale, the Matrimony, and stuff like that. So um, those and then Dre. I mean working with Dre. You know that that was. Um, that was, you know, that was incredible. Um, I know I'm forgetting people, but in terms of artists, man, I mean, I love working with Eminem, you know. I, what's that like? What, what's what's the vibe like with Eminem in the studio? It's, it's, it's like, it's kind of intense, but it's, it's like, I think the intensity comes from me because he's more, I mean, he's intense about it, you know, just like how Dre is, you know, they're perfectionists. So you're, you're dealing with that because they have such a high standard. Right. That you're just trying to understand, like, okay, you know, but I learned so much from them. You know, it's really about how what you learn from them. And uh, but I mean, you know, it's it's songwriting, you know, it's really about the song. That's what I've learned 
with Marshall is like, he just understands songs and he understands like production and, and what things work in the production and what things don't. That's why he and Dre are like unstoppable because they both have such an understanding of that. You know what I mean? So that's what I've learned from him. I mean, honestly, man, I love working with Game, man. Game is like one of my favorite people to work with. He's so he's so crazy. And like his sessions, the sessions that we've had are like legendary, man. Like literally. I love um, I love the shit off of uh, the second album. Oh, word. Thank you, man. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's so random. Like, he'll call me with an idea like, yo, let's do, you know, let's try this. Like Ricky from the Red Album. That was his idea. He called me from Australia. Like, yo, I want to flip Boys in the Hood. You know, can you work on that? I was like, yeah, I got you. And I sent it to him. He's like, this is it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But e even in the studio, you know, we'll do like eight songs, you know, like in a day. Like, who? That's just insane to me. Yeah. You know, so every idea you come with, he's going to try to cut it, you know? Yeah. He's a rapper. Exactly. Yeah. That dude. But we, you know, when we first started out, we didn't like each other. Like, he, you know, hit the first session we were in together, he didn't know who I was. And he was rapping over one of my, one of my beats. And he, he came out the booth and he was like, yo, what did y'all think of, of that? You know what I mean? I was like, I think you could do better. Yeah. And he was like, who the fuck are you? You know, whatever. You know what I mean? Like he looked up and I'm like, yo. And then he was like, fuck this dude. Like he looked at his boy like, what'd you think? He was like, it was tight. I was like, nah. So after that, right, we kept running into each other like at the mall. Like every everywhere I would, anytime I go to the mall, I ran into him to the point where we started laughing when we saw each other, like literally. And from that point, from that point on, we've been like brothers. That's like my guy, man. I love game. He's he's crazy. That's you know he knows he's crazy, but you know at the end of the day, like he's he's a great artist, man. Like his catalog is pretty impressive, like really incredible. So he's fun. I, I mean, I love working with ASAP Ferg. That's my brother. I love working with Big Crit. Um, I love working with Kendrick. You know what I mean? Like we've like before we worked on on. Um, I did a song for Good Kid, Mad City, yeah. and uh, you know ended up being on like the Target version of the album or whatever. But before that, we worked on our records with Dre, and like you know, I got to see how incredible he was, and like mm -hmm. working with him and Ali, and just trying to help them through through their first album. You know what I mean? Through Good Kid, Mad City, that was crazy. So it's just so many, dude. There's so many people. I mean, I love working with Allo too. You know, um, mm -hmm. just just to name a few, honestly. Right. So it's that time of the show where we ask this infamous question and it's, it, it normally goes, what advice would you give your 18 year old self? Oh man, is the, I would basically say, and I think about this all the time is that is to have like respect, respect time, like have, have a respect for time, literally like, Time is the only currency, literally, right? So I feel like you don't get that back. You know, you can spend money, you can make money again. You don't get time again, right? So, you know, my dad, my dad got sick my senior year in college. He had a stroke, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, I've, I've had many tragedies, you know what I mean? Like just in my family, my grandparents, whatever, just every, time is just precious, man. Like, you know, I know that's a cliche thing to say, but I would just tell myself like to respect time and like, and make the most of it. Don't, cause I, I, I went through a period where, you know, I was depressed or whatever. I put that all in my music, but you know, I, I had, a, I had an issue with, with, I had a lot of issues, you know what I mean? So it was really, I feel like I spent a lot of time feeling sorry for myself. 
And, you know, I feel like if I would have taken it easy and not really have, you know, just focused on having fun with what I'm doing instead of having this pressure, putting this pressure on myself, you know, I would I would have I feel like I would have been I would have been better off, even though I did well. You know what I mean? It's just like, you know, I think it's just a matter of like respecting time and like I feel like all the greats like I, I keep saying this to myself. It's just an observation, like all the great people that I know, they respect time and they don't they don't waste a minute. When I work with Dre, they don't waste a minute. Even when we talk about Kobe, he didn't waste a minute. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like that's one thing that I, I have a sense of it sometimes. And then sometimes I'm, I'm not on it. Like I, like I should be. And, and, and that's, that's the main thing. It's just to like have fun, you know, have fun and, and, and make the most out of the time that you have, you know, give it, like, give it your all. Don't stop. Don't ever stop. You know, um, that's really like, that's the main thing I would, I would, I would say probably it's just like, you know, just, just really re respect the time because that that's, you know, that's, that's all we got really at the end of the day. That's a damn good answer. <laughs> that's a damn good answer. It had me even thinking about it. Like, well, shit, man. I, I mean, I, cause I do, cause I am big for, I'm firm believer on time is currency as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I was, uh, involved in a serious accident, um, mm. almost two months ago. So wow. to be for life to slow down mm. and to, kind of map things out of how things go. I just take it minute by minute yeah. and versus, you know, um, being arrogant to think that I, I'm, I'm not on borrowed time. Mm -hmm. yeah, yep. So, so that's the approach that I have. Yeah. That's, that's everything, man. Like I, I just, you know, it, I, it just, it, I feel like that is just, you know, even having kids and spending time with them. I mean, that's, that's the most important thing. You know what I mean? Spending the time with my wife, whatever. It's like, you know, you don't get these time. You can't take it for granted. That's really, and I don't think I did because I worked my butt off, but I think like the enjoying it while I'm doing it and really understand that I could do more. You know, I could do more with the time that I have. And, you know, did I really push myself? You know, I don't, you know, just having regrets, not trying to have regrets of, you know, what I've done with my career, what I've done with my life necessarily, you know, so. You know, as you get older, I feel like you just start thinking, thinking about those things. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, Khalil, man, thank you so much for thank you reaching out, reaching out to Jason. You know, being our guest, um, and and this has been one hell of an episode, man. Yeah, thank you, thank you. This this is dope. real dope, man. I appreciate you having me.